Greetings, and welcome to the Jadu COVID-19 Community Podcast. This is episode three in an ongoing series where we bring you insights, stories, and experiences from those at the forefront of digital services in local government and higher education during the pandemic. Today's episode features interviews with Jonathan Langdon, who is Digital Services Manager at Braintree District Council, and with Graham Reese evans who is a Digital Accessibility Specialist at Shore Trust Accessibility Services, on the topic of, you guessed it, accessibility. And by accessibility, we mean the design and provisioning of websites, products, and digital environments that are accessible, friendly, and usable for everyone, including individuals who have disabilities or impairments. At a time when councils are already facing extraordinary challenges, Braintree District Council has been working on, and continues to work on, redesigning its website with a core focus on accessibility, and it's enlisted the help of Shore Trust. We begin by speaking to Jonathan about the importance of accessibility, now more so than ever, and asking how the council has juggled its redesign project and a pandemic. Uh, yeah, we've been very busy, um, but obviously with the activity over the last seven or eight weeks, uh, we've been very busy working with our communications team and our services to make sure um, that our content is as up to date as possible, so that our content know that our buildings, uh, services and support are working during this time. Um, but what it has meant is that we've had to fit that in alongside trying to carry on with our project to, to rebuild our website. We need to be ramping up on the content side um, and it's that's where the bigger challenge is, is how do we engage with services whose focus is naturally elsewhere to um, get them to focus on their content. I guess now more than ever it's important that people, um, including those that are you know most vulnerable, can access council services digitally and uh, and that makes effective design especially important, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I've always been of the opinion, and hopefully I've convinced other people, that effective design is always important. I follow the Steve Jobs approach, uh, which is that you know, design is not just what it looks and feels like. Design it how, is how it works. So, And that's where I come from. Does it work? Can the customers use it? Can they understand it? And so if we bake that into everything we do, um, we then end up with an effective design. It's one that people can use. Accessibility is part of an, uh, an effective design. Um, so there's more and more research. Um, and I was at uh, a seminar with Sight Improve, and they had some research which showed that actually an accessible page, an accessible transaction, has a higher take-up amongst people that don't need the accessibility element of it than non-accessible so actually it just makes it easier and better for everybody so once you once you've established that point then why wouldn't you do it so what i did was i spoke to the sure trust who've been really helpful um and what they've done is they're sort of um i won't say torn up their, their normal approach but they've worked with us very much to look at our site at key stages as we build it out so we're not going to get to the end go to them ta-da have a look at this and they go hmm Actually, you sort of you went wrong right back there. So they've already looked at our initial designs. They've looked at our prototypes and fed those back. We've got them booked in to look at the templates when they come through. They're now looking at some sample content that we've written based on our uh, content guidelines uh, so we can rewrite all the content. So hopefully, by doing that as we build it out, we've baked it all in. One of the, one of the things you mentioned there, I think, is an important point, is it used to be seen as... A beautiful design and making it accessible were non-compatible you either had a beautiful design and you mentioned there that actually it works 
um, when something's accessible, it works for, for everybody else much better as well. I wondered yeah. whether that was a big part of having such a focus on accessibility or whether there was other things as well. I know, for example, there's much more of a focus in local government to, to meet required standards and there's been some changes in regulation. What was the, what was the kind of main motivation for you guys? Um, well, I think the main motivation was it just makes it a better customer experience. Right. I, yeah. I think if you think about how people use your site or, or any service, it doesn't have to be digital, it doesn't have to be, but how people use it, then you, you design it differently than if you, if you think about, well, what suits me. And uh, another interesting thing as well, you, you were talking about the, the importance of sort of baking it, baking it in the design rather than retrofitting. It's something we've seen. Yeah. Uh, we've seen before it can be very difficult to go back when it's the, the last stage of the consideration it's because it's pretty fundamental to the design right yeah um and again you know the challenge is um and again um i think that uh jardu have embraced this really nicely um but the challenge is on the designers making something accessible doesn't mean say you can't make it nice I mean, my, uh, my, my sort of metaphor, I think metaphor is the right word, is uh, if I go to the Shard, it's a fantastic building. It looks fantastic, but they didn't build it and then say, oh, now where do we put the, the fire escapes? The fire mm. escapes and the health and safety of the building were baked in from day one. Right. It's the same challenge with accessibility. You bake it in from day one, but there's no reason why you can't make it engaging and look nice and all those sorts of things, providing you understand what the, what the, the, sort of the rules are. Um, so I don't, I, I've never seen it as a trade-off, and I refuse almost to accept anybody telling me that it's a trade-off. Um, obviously, there's the September deadline for um, the change in the law where local authorities are going to be required to meet some of these um, accessibility regulations. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the motivations that people, councils have. So, for example, there's, there's no, at the moment, doesn't appear to be any... Um, uh, there's the there's the carrot but no stick at the moment to force yeah. councils to do this stuff yeah. and therefore it comes down to yeah other other reasons that you know apart from it's not going to look very good um to not be meeting this stuff some of the things you've been talking about like the fundamental approaches is just a better way of doing things and yeah. i think that's going to be that's going to be key because I, I don't see the i don't see the stick there at the moment yeah no but there, there is no real stick i mean in theory um, my, from my understanding, uh, in, individuals could start to take action against you under the Equalities Act because the because the accessibility regulations are there. How likely that is, and what that means, I don't know. From from our point of view, that so we we also looked at it from is our website as good as it can be, uh, and the answer really was no, it's not. So, um, yeah, that was our motivation is slightly wider than just accessibility. Our motivation was let's make our website needs to improve. We've actually got a plan beyond September for looking to improve other areas where it can be a better customer experience. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it was just the first step on a journey. It's, it's not an end, an end point for us. Um, but we will bake, as I said, we've baked accessibility into everything that we do because that's the right place to start. It occurred to me when you were saying that, that need to to make it an ongoing um, exercise. It's never complete, right? So if you're putting up content, it needs to be written in the right way. It needs to be practiced how you publish things. Yeah. Is there, is there an approach that you guys have adopted there or thinking of adopting? Um, I'm just thinking, when, when I've spoken to councils before, there's always a question of whether 
content generation is centralized or given to different services to look after and how you sort of manage that, whether it's training the services to write um, in accessible ways. How, have you got any thoughts around that? Well, I, th- I, think, I, think there's two, I think there's two things. I don't think there's a right or a wrong way of doing it. I think different authorities, depending on the capability of their people and their structure, will adopt a different way. And there's pros and cons of, 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 of doing it either way. We have a, uh, um, a decentralised authoring model at the moment. Uh, we have no intention of changing that. Um, what we want to do is to upskill both the people who write the content for our website, but also the managers of the services so that they can appreciate um, that why something's being written in the way that it is. And, and the same, what we've done is we've developed, and are still it's an ongoing process, but we're developing a very detailed set of guidelines um, based largely on the approach taken by uh, GovUK. So you can go onto GovUK, onto GDS, and they've got a whole raft and they tell you how to write everything um, right. from, from, a, from a GovUK point of view. We're adopting a similar approach in in having that level of detail um but obviously it's written for our organization um unfortunately the current situation has sort of scuppered our plans to roll out our training um but yeah. what, we are, what we are doing is we're um we're, we're sort of testing working more closely with one person from a, a, an individual service um to bring them up to speed to 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 rewrite their content or to review their content. And what we're also doing, rather than um, sort of training the services and then saying, well, off you go and rewrite your content, is we're also testing, developing, if like, a, a straw man for their service to say, right, we've had a look, you know, here it is for you. Um, because at most of our services, um, if not all, are, are working flat out. And because every, everything about how the work has changed. So um, they, it's just a question of time. And so a final question, and mm-hmm. this is more trying to get a sense, really. What what we've been seeing is sort of local authorities come through a sort of reaction and recovery phases during this pandemic. And we're sort of now observing somewhat of a, a reset phase where local authorities are looking at what services to bring back and when, for example, what new services should be kept and so on. Does that resonate with you at all? Do you feel Braintree is at that somewhat of a, a reset phase at the moment? Do you get a sense of that or is it still yeah. in the earlier? Yeah, um, fun enough, yesterday I was talking to um, a couple of colleagues about a service that we're looking to bring back into service, albeit in a modified fashion. So I think it's, um, it's you know, I think probably for the first time in six or eight weeks, we've had a chance to draw breath and say, right, okay, what else can we do? Um, but I think there's also a sense that um, against that with um, the, the challenges of lifting some of the lockdown measures, which is, okay, well, if, we, if they're being lifted, what, what does that mean for other services going forward? But also, again, do we have to go back to how, exactly how we were? Yes. Um, and I think that's, then the, that's, sort of the, that's the next phase is, not so, you know if we can reintroduce things, do we reintroduce them exactly the same way, or do they, or can we modify them? Should we modify them? And then actually, with modified services, do we need to change them at all? So I, th- I think there is a uh, a certain um, 
yeah, a certain reset, I think, is, is probably quite a good, a, a, a good point. So, having spoken with Jonathan, we also caught up with Graham at Shore Trust. We do get onto the work with Braintree, but begin by asking a little about Shore Trust itself, the importance of accessibility, especially right now, and whether Jonathan thinks local government in general is doing enough to ensure council websites work for everyone. So, um, yeah, so Short Trust Accessibility Services um, supports organisations to ensure that their digital material is accessible to as wide an audience as, as practically possible. Well, I think over the past years, I think accessibility has moved up the priority list anyway. Um, you know, more and more local governments are looking to, to streamline their services and move as many of its critical services to online as possible. However, you know, if these services are not accessible, then individuals may be blocked from accessing those services. And I think especially at this current time, it's very important, or it's even more important to think about accessibility when creating these services, as we are physically prevented from visiting offices or council buildings as an alternative. You know, we're also finding that, that less people are able to get into their places of work to perhaps man the phones or, or, or answer queries. Um, so, you know, phone services are also being reduced. Therefore, some organizations are providing online-only services at the moment. But what actually happens if you can't access that online service? There is now potentially no alternative available. In your experience then, are, are local authorities making accessibility high enough of a priority? Uh, well, I guess both pre and during this pandemic. Personally, no. Uh, you know, I don't think councils are giving accessibility enough priority, and I don't think other organisations are either. You know, accessibility doesn't just affect the individuals that have a medical condition or a disability or an impairment. Accessibility is really good for absolutely everyone. So, so why is it then? Do you think that it's it's not necessarily as high a, a priority as it is it certainly should be? I think certainly for councils and for other businesses, I think they get enough traffic from your individuals that don't need accessibility requirements to think that it's an actual priority. You know, 90% of, of traffic that comes to a website is potentially from somebody that isn't using a special keyboard, a special mouse, a screen reader. So there isn't really that absolute need to provide that accessibility. However, if you are trying to reach absolutely everyone and provide a service that includes all of your constituents, then you need to be thinking about accessibility right from a design stage of a, of a product or a service. And in terms of this, this more legislation coming in, you know, saying that local government has to make sure that websites and digital services are accessible, do you think that's enough of an incentive? It's great that we've got this new this new legislation, which is going to mandate all public sector websites to be accessible by September 2020 and to provide an accessibility statement showing the areas where they aren't accessible. But what it's missing is any fines or any anything, any penalties that are going to go against those organizations that don't complete the work. You know, we've always had a requirement to make our content accessible, albeit a very, very grey and woolly situation. You know, the Equality Act of 2010 states that I shouldn't be treated less favourably if I've got a disability. But it doesn't black and white state that that would include digital or online or website material. 
So this latest legislation actually puts that into a little bit more of a, a black and white situation. But no, there's still nothing within that piece of legislation that gives penalties for anyone that doesn't actually comply. In terms of any any councils that are listening to this, you know, any of Jadu's customers or the community uh, partners and whatnot, are there any um, important accessibility considerations that they should keep keep front of mind? Yes, I think, you know, without going into any specific examples or any too technical, I think very broadly, councils need to understand that people access digital content in different ways. You know, not everyone is fully sighted, not everyone is fully able to hear or not able to use traditional input methods such as a mouse, a keyboard, or perhaps a touch screen. They need to understand the ways in which different individuals can access digital material. So are they aware that blind people can have text read to them using a synthetic voice from a screen reader? Are they aware that low vision users can magnify the information presented to them? And are they aware that deaf and hard of hearing people can access captions and sign language on videos, for example? This simple understanding that not everyone uses technology in the same way is vital to understanding how your audience interacts with your content. And as we move now in this in this pan- pandemic, we've seen a lot of councils have to spin up services you know, pretty quickly. And some of them, you know, fundamental to, to looking after citizens and and some of the most vulnerable people, you know, spinning up things from free school meals to business grants. It's been quite a, it's quite a fast response. So now people are sort of stabilizing a little bit. We're seeing them go through the response and the recovery phase. And we're now seeing them enter in some, some of a reset phase. Do you think councils that have sometimes, you know, done this work really quickly and uh, stuff that would normally take months, they've done in days and rolled out services, digital services, do you think they may have to go back now and take a look to see if what they've put up meets the required standard? I think it's very much so that these councils should now go back over all of these services that they've, that they've launched really, really quickly and just double check that they are actually accessible to the intended users. So I think if any councils have launched anything recently, especially during this lockdown, then they should make that a priority to go back and check. I think it would also be a good time to reflect on how they launched those systems and if accessibility was actually even considered or whether it was kind of parked as a as a not an essential requirement. And I think where they can retrofit accessibility, then it then it should be added into these to these existing services. It might also be a good time to have a look back along that project timeline and see where they can put accessibility into any new project timelines in the future. My understanding is that it's easier to to implement accessible design at the design phase rather than retrofitting. Is is that right? Most definitely. I think even more so with documents and, and things like that, it's far easier to add accessibility in from the from the from the go. But certainly, yeah, building any sort of system, if you think about accessibility and think about the way in which users are going to interact with that content, it is far easier to build accessibility in from from the start than leave it till the end. I mean, you wouldn't go and build a house and wait until the roof was put on to tell you that the foundations weren't right. So building that accessibility in right from the foundations of a project is key to having a really accessible product at the end. And then if you could just tell us a little bit about um, how you've been working with, with Braintree Council. I know you guys have been collaborating in some way. If you could tell us a little bit about that, that'd be great. 
Uh, yeah, so again, building on uh, building on the design stage for accessibility, I guess. Uh, we've been working with Braintree Council right from the very start of their development process of their of their new product. We've reviewed several designs that have been created, even before any code has been written at all. These are just um, pictorial designs that the, the developers have come up with. And it's important even at that stage to try and flag some potential accessibility issues and build them and reduce them into the, into the next stage. As then Braintree progress with their designs and move into perhaps a template stage or something that's a little bit more built, we will be looking at that functionality as well and making sure that the temporary content they've got there and the temporary functionality that they're in the middle of building is actually being built in an accessible way to reduce the amount of accessibility retrofitting that would need to take place later on if there was a massive problem. Again, it's far easier to find accessibility issues and fix those issues at a design or a template stage rather than wait for everything to be fully built and absolutely populated with every piece of content. Because making changes that late in the game or that late in a, in a development project is going to be costly and hard. So there you go then. It's good to have been able to reflect on the continued importance of accessibility. Accessibility Web made it very clear last week that deadlines would not be changing, tweeting, In response to questions we are getting about COVID-19 and the deadlines for public sector bodies' accessibility regulations in the UK, there are not currently any plans for compliance dates to change. So it's full steam ahead then. Thank you to both Jonathan and Graham for taking the time to speak to us for this podcast. The next episode will feature Soccer Team, where we'll be talking about the reset phase in which many organisations now find themselves. If you work in digital services for local government or in higher education, we'd love to hear your experiences. Only takes a chat over Skype and could be really useful to others that are facing similar challenges. Equally, if you're facing a challenge another organisation has overcome, it could be a way of getting some help. So please do get in touch at Austin, which is A-U-S-T-I-N, at jardu.co.uk. If you haven't already, please check out the COVID-19 community toolbox by heading to jardu.net slash library slash toolbox right that's all for now thank you for listening i'll see you on the next episode